You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Mino Line Media presents Business of the Beat. Hi, I'm Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and I am a founder, brand builder, entrepreneur, and believe in the mantra, Carpe Diem. I created this podcast, Business of the Beat, through my own experience as a beauty executive to talk about, tell stories, and highlight the business of beauty through conversations with beauty and wellness entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beat. Greatness, sometimes it happens in other shapes or forms. Like, I don't see myself as like a book smart person. I strictly would just outwork people. And when I went there, just showing my enthusiasm and showing up, look, okay, I clearly don't meet your typical requirement, but I know if given an opportunity, I'm going to perform and deliver. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and welcome to Business of the Beat. Today's guest is Dennis Asamwa, co-founder and CEO of Forever Mood. But before we get started, don't forget to follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we love to hear from you. All right, everyone. Dennis is the co-founder and CEO of Forever Mood, a home fragrance and luxury lifestyle brand co-founded by Dennis's fiance, entrepreneur, and beauty mogul, Jackie Ina. Dennis and Jackie self-funded and launched Forever Mood during the pandemic, scaling the D2C brand to seven digits within a few weeks. Beyond Forever Mood, Dennis is a London native and content creator that focuses on men's lifestyle content, taking photos, and helping people work smarter. Known as Mr. Work Smarter, Dennis has also become a successful productivity coach who has given seminars and even written books about time management. Dennis, welcome to Business of the Beat. I am thrilled to have you here. We have so much to talk about. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So let's jump into this. And I want to get started with your your nickname, which I guess isn't a nickname if it's true. <laughs> but you are affectionately known as Mr. Work Smarter. Yes. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> You're actually correct. That's actually my old school name, uh, Mr. Work Smarter, because I was all about time management. And I'm still all about time management and the importance of utilizing your time effectively, not getting distracted. And yeah, I love it. So I used to actually do one-to-one consultancy and courses for, on time management at colleges, at institutions. Well, I was reading everything and checked out a few, and, and you truly are the master of it. So I want to get into that because I'm sure that that plays into the success that you're having. But before we do that, we have a fun segment called Rapid Fire. So Ooh. I'm going to ask you a question. You fill in the blank. And because you are Mr. Work Smarter, your <laughs> rapid fire is called 
Work smarter. (laughs) Pressure, pressure. (laughs) All right, here we go. My favorite productivity tool that helps me work smarter is blank. The Pomodoro technique. Ooh. Wait, can we get a little bit of that? Yes. So basically, that's when you work in intervals. So let's just say you have a timer, you work for 20 minutes, and then you have a five minute break. But the reason why you do that is that you subconsciously, you know, this is 20 minutes that you need to complete this one task rather than just working and just just wasting time and time goes by. But it, it causes you and encourages you to be focused at the task at hand and complete it. Some people do it in 30 minute intervals, one hour interval, depending on the task that you need to do. I love that. I've been doing um, my Pomodoro technique with 30 minutes and then I like try and inch it a little bit more. Okay. Thank you. That's a good one for all of us entrepreneurs. And blank is my best piece of advice for everyone that wants to work smarter. I would say the best advice, and it's quite simple. Before you go to bed, write three of your most important tasks that you need to complete in the morning because when you go to bed subconsciously, you might be dreaming about it. You might start thinking of the solutions and tasks at hand so that when you wake up, you're ready to go at hand rather than waking up sluggish and you're like, hey, what do I need to do? Ooh, I like that. All right, three most important tasks that you have to do in the morning. And you do that right before you go to bed. Yes, I I always go through my to-do list because I normally have a long list of to-do lists, but then I review it and then I ask myself, what's my three priorities? That's good. Because otherwise, we've got these long lists and then we're like, hold on, never going to happen. And actually, just to add to that, another important thing to do is that sometimes it's easy. And I do this sometimes. It's like, it's because it it depends on how you are. Like, this is not a one size fits all. So some people find it better to work on smaller tasks, easier tasks, so that it gives them the motivation to get onto the bigger task. For me, I prefer to work on the bigger task because I know that's the one that I is more challenging and it's going to take a lot more of my time because by the time you get to the bigger tasks, you kind of, sometimes you're just like, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. So just (laughs) tackle the hardest challenge first. That's kind of my approach. But some people prefer the smaller ones just to give them the momentum. I'm with you. Let me get the hard one done and then come back. Um, Okay. And our last rapid fire is when I work, I have more time for blank. Oh, I love that. Um, I have more time to spend time with my partner. I have more time for myself, self-care, whether it's outside swimming, whether it's um, watching football. That's what it does for me. That's nice. It, It is interesting when we think about how much time we have in the day, how much time we have to account for rest and then nourishment, and then kind of what we're left with when we carve out work and other people's needs. And so, as you work smarter, you do have more time for yourself. Yes, it's important or, to enjoy your, your, yourself time. So, Dennis, let's talk about this. You have had such an amazing career. You're a founder. You're an advisor. You've had a career in finance. And you also taught and you just talked about and shared your, your coaching. So let's take a step back. What's been this journey for you? How did how did you get started and what kind of inspires you? So I'll take people back to my early days at school, university. Um, 
to be honest, how I got into investment banking was strictly asking my teacher, <laughs> what's the highest paying job after university? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, yeah, investment banking. I was like, okay, cool. I guess I'm doing investment banking. Then. <laughs> so um, I went into, um, decided to apply for Morgan Stanley. That was my first ever um, stint at a investment institution. And funny enough, I actually didn't have the educational qualification to get that job because you needed a same number of ATC, GCSEs, as we call it in London, is slightly different, obviously, for you guys. But um, in a nutshell, I didn't meet the requirements, but they still called me up for an interview. And um, also, you had to do another test there. Um, but I share that story because I also failed that test there. And I oh, I say that to <laughs> yeah. Because, listen, sometimes, you know what I mean, the greatness, sometimes it happens in other shapes or forms. Like, I don't see myself as, like, a book-smart person. I strictly would just outwork people. And when I went there, just showing my enthusiasm and showing up, look, okay, I clearly don't meet your typical requirement, but I know if given an opportunity, I'm going to perform and deliver. And that was my first real experience, like working at a big corporate firm, learning a lot, and naturally just start to advance and go into other um, banking roles like the Bank of New York Mellon. And we had a good time learning learn a lot about hedge funds, learn, learn about equity and derivatives, investments, and naturally start to apply it to my personal life. But I've always been inspired by selling stuff or entrepreneurial activities. My actual first entrepreneurial real business outside of selling um, drinks and candy in my school, my school, um, what's it called? And playing facilities. Um, outside of that, my real, real business, I would say, was Firm, was actually, once again, a where we used to go and motivate um, young people in schools and, and also um, youth centers, where we just, just to kind of give them inspiration and talk, talk to them about transferable skills that they can learn from their environment. Because where I came from is an area called Tottenham, uh, which is actually one of the worst areas. Think about it, like whether it's LA content, whatever you lot regard regard as like a really like really tough, difficult place to grow up. Like Tottenham was one of them places, and it's very hard to see opportunities provided to students that are growing up in that community. So, Sofirm, the, the company that me and my friend Andy um, started, um, and Chanel, um, we decided to you know I mean give back. And actually, Abdul, I need to shout him out as well. But yeah, yeah my friends, we decided mm-hmm. to give back and just share some of the skills that we learned and how we managed to overcome obstacles in order to get opportunities at these big corporate firms because we didn't know how. We didn't even know. I, I remember when I had no clue. It's like when you don't know and you're not exposed to certain things, you're you're the product of your environment. And that's something mm-hmm. I learned. There. I was like, wow, okay, we're the product of our environment. If people are not aware of things, if people don't educate themselves with these things, they won't know any better. Because all they know is, street stuff so um i made that my goal and my team's goal to really grow that and really see that do good and then my next big big um business was then running a company called the net location where we actually used to that was actually a follow-on to some firm where now we used to organize events um where we used to get like the big four like the kpmgs the deloitte mm-hmm. to have networking events with us and have the, um, have graduates come and then connect with the senior people, the managers, the presidents, so that they can understand how do they um, get to their career and develop and grow and and give them opportunities to get work experiences. So that was a really, I'm really, I'm really, when I look back and I'm like, oh, wow, I haven't spoken about that in a while, but 
that was the beginning of really understanding the power of networking, connecting people. And I just love helping people. So that's naturally, as an entrepreneur, I just love helping people. I like creating solutions. And that's how I began. And you've talked about this. We're going to get into some of the, the books that you've written, some of the articles that you've yep. transcribed, um, because I, I think that there's such a connectivity and that we are all going to have different experiences. So yep. how we translate that, or as you said, transfer that into something of good for others is really the mark, I, I think, of a life well lived and how we overcome our circumstance and situation. And so even when you think about this power of networking and kind of creating solutions, so you've talked about your your first kind of two businesses going into to finance. And I want to dig into something because you said that you knew you would work harder. And even if you felt that test of given the opportunity, you would outperform. So is that really kind of how you have generated success and how you continue to be successful? Is this notion of working harder and outperforming? Yeah, I would say work harder, but also work smarter, hence Mr. Work Smarter. So I think, <laughs> listen, at the end of the day, it's about using your time efficiently. And listen, you should work hard, um, especially because I guess the work hard came into when it, the work hard was very relevant to me in the beginning because, as I said, I wasn't book smart. So I was never, I could not compete with my students and my peers in my class because I just, I just was never really a book smart person. And I really struggled in school because of that. Um, so the work smarter was like, okay, how else can I beat them? Okay, it's about working harder and being able to work smarter than them in order to succeed and exceed expectations. So that's kind of how my analogy and the reason why I wanted to teach people the importance of working smarter and doing time management because I was like, that's how I can beat them. Because guess what? Um, we you know, we made this funny joke like we they, people say, look, we get the same time. We do get the same time, but yes. You're the, like the environment doesn't help. You can be, you can get the same time, but you don't get the same options, the same opportunities. So I was like, how can we minimize that and help close the gap there? So that was my goal. Well, and minimizing and closing the gap, because you're right. Like we have to dig deep and figure out what's going to work for us. When, um, when I started my first company, uh, uh, the president CEO of another competing company, he said that we would win yeah. in the streets. And he said, that's going to be how you guys do it. You're going to win in the streets. It's real. It's real. It's real. It's real. It's so true. Well, and and so talk about, so you're now past the university. You've created these two companies. What was this pivot for you in terms of saying, I want to, and I know that there's a lot of steps in between, but you did come into this notion of becoming an author, creating your own consulting practice, and then kind of moving into this space of CPG, wellness, beauty, what were the steps and what was that transition like? No, great question. So funny enough, um, that kind of goes into how I met Jackie and how, you know, <laughs> I mean, I stumbled into the creator economy. So um, in so I've, I've known Jackie for a number of years. And then I decided in 2016, 2017 to make the jump to LA because we were seeing each other, we were friends for a very long time, but then we were like, you know what, I was like, you know what, let's see this relationship, and I'm talking about Jackie Ino, who is obviously an amazing, amazing person and um, the leading black beauty creator for me um, in the world. And um, she's amazing. And 
when I met her, like I didn't even understand her world. Like she, I was so confused. She would explain it to me. I'd be like, okay, okay, that's that sounds nice. But I wouldn't think anything more of it. That's the truth. <laughs> I really did not think anything more. I was like, okay, cool. That's nice to know. <laughs> but that was it. And obviously I was like supportive. I was like, when she would do all these videos and cameras out, I was like, oh interesting. This is all interesting. <laughs> but yes, I <laughs> no, no, but no, for real. So and then what was interesting is that um so I, I said, I made, so the story is that, look, I made the jump in around 2016, 2017 to LA. I was like, you know what, let's see if this relationship's real. Because I always believe long distance relationship, you don't get to see someone's real habits. Like I've got yes. bad habits. And so I was like, she needs to see the real me <laughs> and, see this, <laughs> and, and see if this real, if this is real. So um, yeah, decided to make the jump. And then um, naturally, because I wasn't, wasn't living in LA at that time, I would just more make living there like, three months out there's obviously for legal reasons you can't even be there so I was like naturally I'm going to do my consultancy thing um so I can still do my client calls my one-to-ones online with people and but naturally I just started to learn more about her world and the beauty space and the creator economy I was very fortunate to be able to go on all these amazing trips with her and then what sparked my interest and was like I was like why are all these brands these beauty brands spending millions of dollars on these trips what like we're going on business class tri- like traveling business we're going to the nicest places of the world that you can only imagine and it's thousands of dollars a month i mean a day a night to stay at these places i'm like why this spend-? and i was like aha i had a whole moment speaking to the executive because i'm a businessman so i'm like having conversations mm-hmm. with all the the managers the leaders and i'm like 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 okay awesome. i'm just fascinated i was like hey why you don't do this how much do you investing um, why is it unlimited food, unlimited drinks? Like, I'm like, these are investments. <laughs> and I know, and me, I'm still drinking, having having my cocktail, having a time of my life, um, but still doing me and asking really important questions. And then I learned very quickly and just naturally building relations with all Jackie's um, friends and other creators in the space. I just naturally started to understand, oh my God, this is where the future is. This is the future, the creator economy. And I was like, okay, cool. Clearly, I need to understand this more and see where I can add value and bring my entrepreneurial experience and investment banking experience into this. Like, how can I help and add value and contribute here in this space? So that was the first thing. So naturally, I uh, started to do a lot of brand deals for um, Jackie's friends. Funny enough, I I stayed away from doing it with Jackie because I wanted to focus on the relationship. Yeah, people don't know. I didn't want to... I said to her very on, I was like, I want us to have a real relationship. I don't want it to be about business per mm-hmm. se in the beginning because in the beginning you can, it's easy to get distracted and forget why you're there in the first place so that was a very important thing and that's something we both uh, mutually agree we're like hey look I'm not getting involved with your business I don't want us to have because I know I am I'm like get this done now get him. like we are very different people like we're very we'll, we'll clash as well like in certain the certain ways I want to work in the certain ways and I was like I don't want to have to that's a whole other thing like let's focus on our relationship I don't want to have to deal with another dimension of a relationship because running a business now we do but we that's that's years after if that makes sense it's a big difference mm-hmm. rather than doing it straight away because it could have had an impact on our relationship so i'm so happy that we made that decision not to focus on business together what i did instead was just help her other friends and start to understand some of them are really bad contracts why they have this deal why are they signing a contract that says that the manager has 20 percent of everything if they were to invest in the stock if they were to start their own business the manager i'm like what is it like why is managers entitled to 20% I don't understand unless they are actually doing the work and actually acting as a business manager and providing value I'm not against them doing it but just making sure that there's a clear 
definition and a clear description and role and understanding of what that all means. So really just kind of helping and stopping and helping others. So that was the next that was the next phase, just helping brand deals, helping with content strategy. I even started to do some content myself. I started to do blogging. Me, <laughs> yes. Jackie, uh, me and Jackie had our own channel, which was fun um, when we were traveling. And then during the pandemic, that's when I decided, you know what, um, I was, I, I, even though I was doing the videos and we had fun doing the travel vlogs and all that stuff, really, I'd rather be behind the, behind the scenes, behind the camera. And I was like, you know what, let me just focus on the business side of things. And then we agreed um, in 2020 to launch our brand Forever Mood. And people thought we were crazy because it was during the pandemic. Um, the, the the unknown, the unexpected, we no one knew what was going on, but it was actually the best time. Um, everyone's at home. You want Everyone wants to make their house smell good. But we didn't know that. It was actually, we didn't, I'm not going to give us credit because we didn't think that. We were like, <laughs> oh yeah, everyone's going to buy all our stuff. But I think the, the real reason outside of the, the business side and building a business to be able to cater to customers. The truth is that Jackie done all the work before that. It's 10 years, the decade of building a real community of people that trust her, uh, look up to her, want to support her. So when we, we launched the candles, they didn't even smell it. They didn't even care. They just wanted to buy it. So it was a great success. It did. We sold 20,000 candles in the space of four hours. It was like, wow. I was like, okay, now we have to get to work. And that was a nightmare in itself. And that's a whole other conversation because now we're talking about the shipping disasters, the customer challenges, and we don't know. We're just our first time doing something at this scale. So right. it's been a fun journey. And hopefully that answers your question. Oh my gosh, that was fantastic. Because I didn't want to get into all the business of when the, the business merged with yeah. the relationship. Yeah. And it, you know, it's interesting because um, I had another guest on the show who has a very successful brand as well, and her and her husband were in it from the beginning. And he had another full time, but then you know transitioned into full time into the company. And so I like to hear your story of we wanted to give our relationship a go and focus there because it's hard enough to build a sustainable relationship. And then as we know, you put business on top of that. And inevitably there is a lot of emotions that run from both parts of it and being able to separate. And so when you think about, especially for you, because you're going on the trips, you have this business mindset, you're, you also come from an interesting place of business finance, and so then you're constantly evaluating the value of each thing. So when you started kind of going down your own route of being a content creator, how did you kind of look at the business and the value proposition around content in general and what it does to help build and fuel businesses? I realized that content one has a long-term value. It's not simply you create, you post and that's it. And also, it also opened my eyes to how brands value content, which I thought was completely wrong. As in, it's not as simple as just posting a video for 30 seconds or one minute. There's a whole thought process around this. The creativity, like the time where you have to just brainstorm and you have ideas, the equipment, um, and then obviously the long-lasting impact. Like wherever a video has, let's just say, 10,000 views in the space of a month, that video is going to live on for years and years. And that can just naturally have a domino effect in the future. So that brand is paying for that moment. But really, they potentially could have a huge value increase in the near future because of the fact that content lives on forever. So, so when I learned that, I was like, oh, interesting. And I realized that, okay, 
also then I realized that young people, I started to see on patterns, young people, everyone's living on social media, where the world was going. I was like, content, this is where the world is going, content. But then unfortunately, the, the gatekeepers, the Instagrams, the TikToks, the YouTubers, they hold the keys. They can change the algorithm at any moment. You could be doing well. And those are the frustrations that I started to see with creators. They used to tell me that. I was like, ah, oh, we need to create a better world there. Why is that they are the gatekeepers? Because without them, um, to be honest, there's no platform. Without these creators, there's no platform. And I think one thing I always encourage creators that remember that you are the power. And um, listen, we to be honest, it goes hand in hand. It's like, I'm not going to discredit other social platforms because without these platforms, they, there's, they, they can't create their content um, and post it and let people see it. So it goes hand in hand. And it's just making sure that platforms understand that and treat them like partners rather than just a flyaways it's like hey we just use them and use them and abuse them whenever we need them and that's how i felt in the very early stages i felt like brand i mean companies were doing that and i'm just starting to see progress i think youtube do the best job so far in terms of how much they pay creators and how they enable creators to monetize and make a career because the reality is that if you think of the og creators like the jackies um they didn't start youtube because they saw a living they didn't start youtube because they were making money it actually took jackie minimum of five years before she started to see some traction and be like okay you know what i can make some sacrifices i can you know make a, a few adjustments so people need to remember that but now the world that we're living people that are starting they're doing it because they see the lifestyle they see the the life that these creators live and they want to and they aspire to be it so this is why the market's so big we know it the creator economy is worth 100 billion it's only going to continue to grow and there's going to be so many opportunities to provide services and products to that community it really is. And, you know, I think back when we started uh, my first company, Digital Brand Architects, in 2010, and we were managing bloggers and there was no nice. Pinterest and Instagram oh hadn't God. launched. And it was such an interesting time because they were bloggers. And then as every platform came out, I remember launching our power pinners and managing that group. And so while the platform's being changed, to your point, the content creators are the storytellers. They're giving them value to the brands by creating sustainable life to their content that would otherwise be a one moment in time. And so there's so much power there whenever you can understand it. And when you think about then transferring that power and influence and reach into the product space, I mean, it's not surprising that you guys were able to accomplish what you accomplished. I mean, it's textbook. We talk about it. It's the case study of the century in terms of taking an influencer personality who's done a phenomenal job and then translating that into products. So what has the journey been since you did that massive sellout? Um, you, we, before we started the show, you said you were in the warehouse. So yeah. there's clearly growth, evolution. What's that journey been from that 20,000 sellout to now? Oh, it's been crazy. Um, where do I start? It, <laughs> as I said, like, yeah, we did not start the business thinking, oh, my God, like there was, the, as I said, like there was, there was goals. There's, of course, there's goals and targets, but we didn't think, okay, we're going to sell out twenty thousand in four hours because that then changed everything. And then we were working backwards, and that didn't help because I didn't understand. Even me, and I'm so happy. And now, honestly, I could write a book about warehouse and manufacturing because I've learned so much. Like I didn't have experience in this space, but by by being by making mistakes, losing money, you learn. 
you learn and like some of the experiences like for example we had to transition into a bigger warehouse so the warehouse that we're currently in is 35,000 square feet and like we were like we need space like because you, you have to remember when we order a lot of our so our, our components meaning the vessels the lids um the packaging boxes they're coming from um all the way in asia so they get and they come in big pallets and i like even small things like only recently i'm realizing little things like oh my god i would never order a packaging box that's chunky because guess what you, you will get a big pallet that has only like 10 of it inside and you're like it takes up too much square feet or space because now you have to pay for each pallet space and then the shipping costs the weight all these things that you don't think about in the beginning you're just like oh, i just want i want things to look beautiful i don't care how much it, like, you don't think about these things but now going for it is like wow i would change so much but guess what i'm happy i went for it because you learn things you adapt you evolve and then also you can apply it to the next thing or help the next person that's on the rise that's trying to build a business that wants to build a candle brand. I feel like this is the thing to avoid. So for me, the journey's been great. We, as I said, we moved into a warehouse. We, we in the space of a year, we went into Sephora, went into all Sephora stores and including Canada. And that was a big take in. And Sephora have been amazing partners. And what's it called? Like we are constantly trying to always improve and adapt but even with working with Sephora, you've got to know how to manage that as in meaning like clearly when you're going to have to have newness. Okay, have you planned out your product like product development cycle so that you have newness at reasonable times? Have you um, put in deposits early with your vendor so that there's no delays on the way to your, um, what's it called, distributing centers? Like all these things all have you factored in the economy. There was a time where everything was getting stuck. The containers were getting stuck at the port. And people couldn't get their stuff, and it just you're now you're missing key deadlines and key programs with your retail partner. So it's all these things that you don't think about until it happens, and you're like, oh crap. But then, as I said, I think that makes you stronger because even when someone tries to explain it to you, you kind of have to go for it to really understand what they mean. Because sometimes they say, say things, and you're like, oh, but do you really understand what they mean until you actually do it? Um, so for me, it's just been fun. It's been difficult is being exhausting is being um, great um, but it's all part of the process I don't I don't look back and be like oh my god oh, this I regret anything like I, this has made us a better people and we've made mistakes that, that's why I want to make I don't even I don't really like even talking about the success because I feel like the success is very um, visible people see that mm-hmm. easily but people don't see the behind the scenes they don't see the process they just see the product and it's like also, when customers are frustrating, some of the things that we, like, for example, shipping customers' products during Christmas and all the delays, they just want their products. And you can't be emotional about these things. So it's like, hey, they want their product. They paid for it. But, like, they were dealing with things that they don't know. And it's like some things you just can't control. It's like, hey, I can't do anything. So those are the hard ones when you know it's impacting customers. I think that's the hardest part is when it impacts customer experience because you just want to deliver a world-class experience to them and ensure that they want to they love the product one and they always want to come back. So, um, yeah, when things like that don't happen, it's hard to take. Well, and I, I'm glad that you talk about some of the things that didn't work and the challenges around it, because I think that people see Jackie and she's amazing and they just automatically think that you guys have created this brand and it's all sunshine and rainbows. And it's really interesting because you are because, you know, you're you're definitely a wellness, home wellness brand. 
Um, but you're also a celebrity brand to a certain extent. And so I say that because the expectation for you guys to not have any issues and for Jackie to always be amazing. So therefore her product is amazing and there's not going to be anything wrong. You're held to a different standard because of this high standard that you've set for yourselves in general. And so what's that been like? Oh my God. I'm so happy you just alluded to that. I think that's, (laughs) And to be honest, I don't even get the the hard end of the stick. It's Jackie that I'm more concerned about is that ultimately because she is a public figure and she's attainable to people, she's reachable for people, for the people that support and follow her, she's attainable. You can just act on Twitter. You can comment on her on her post. And it's like when something happens at the brand, rather than acting the brand, they act Jackie. And I think we need to do a better job with not doing that because most of like some of these things that happen like there's a, there's a reason why there's a team like Jackie doesn't manage the business by herself there's a team for that and yes ultimately she's a face um however it doesn't mean when something goes wrong or you have an issue with your shipping or there's a delay I'm going to run to Jackie I get why they do it by the way I want to make it very clear I get why people do it but I don't it doesn't help like there's a reason why there's process there's a reason why there's a contact there's a reason why we do these things so that things can be taken care of. Jackie's not going to be then going to customers. Like she doesn't like there's a reason why we hire people to do that. So it's a lot of pressure is true. And I do think there's a different expectation and a level of, Oh, you need to fix it. And also I do think, and this might be controversial, but I do think there's an element of, I want to be seen talking about this. I want people to see this. It sounds good because, Hey, I'm dragging this public person mm-hmm. because you wouldn't do that if it was, a Gucci you wouldn't do that if it was you would just be reaching out to customer service and email them you would not go on and tag them on Twitter but because it's a public person I think it's this thing where oh I want the world to see as well and you know what everyone acts like they don't make mistakes and things don't go wrong and people don't remember that look even the biggest companies they have shipping challenges but I think we they hold public figure branded founded companies to a higher standard and it's just the way the world is so we do our best in terms of what we do as a company we do our best to not put everything on jackie that's why jackie's not in every campaign that's why it's called forever mood it's not called the jackie Anna candle brand there's a reason for them things <laughs> <laughs> like there is a reason and the beauty is that you want the brand to transcend jackie jackie becomes the catalyst but it's an amazing brand and you guys have done such a good job formulating sense like Mm. intentionality around it and so you wanted to transcend her and that's the mark of when you've made a brand that isn't just about the celebrity it's the start and the catalyst and it's a blessing to have that but to your point i love this notion of there's an entire team you know we had asha coco your new president your first president of the brand yes yes podcast as well and so there is this team since that you guys have built and what does that structure look like how was the hiring because it was so personal to you both when you launched yeah so in the <laughs> in the laughing <laughs> because in the beginning we kind of it was a very small team and we kind of were in a partnership with um, a vendor that had experience making candles so they were kind of managing everything so it was kind of like hands off it was like I was it wasn't as like, oh my god, we have to build our team from scratch. So we were relying on someone else's expertise that had already done it. So it was a bit different 
to where now today we manage everything ourselves. We have our own core team. So the difference in the early stages was that, hey, okay, we're in an industry that we haven't done before. We're figuring it out. Let's partner up with someone that can help and has expertise in this space to help us um, build our brand, manage it. Um, but even for them, this they've never done something with this scale. So there was things is, things are going to go wrong. Does that make sense? So yeah, it's just learning and then me realizing, okay, cool, I need certain people and certain expertise. So like for our show, when she came in, it was like, we clearly need a fragrance expert in this space. We need someone that understands this, um, can help us enhance, because ultimately it's all about the product. And it's like, okay, we need someone that can come in and, and take our product to the next level. We want to work with the very best fragrance houses. We want to work with the very best people. And she has extensive experience and expertise in this space. So it was a no brainer for us. And it's understanding when you get to this level of scale. I think sometimes with a lot of the founders I work with, you know, going from zero to 20 million and what that next 20 million looks like, it sometimes requires a, a, an additional type of leader or experience to help yeah. you scale the company. Yeah. And the best leaders know that. The best founders, you both know that. And yeah. that's why you've kind of pivoted. And so I want to kind of go into your style because I think that it's fascinating. I love your article that you did. Um, it was the 30 things I've learned, or uh, I wish yeah. I knew before 30. 30 correct. And oh, it's so good. There's so many things. And one <laughs> of my favorites is where it's number 11 and you say okay. our mind is powerful, but vulnerable. Feed your mind with positive thoughts every day. Remember your thoughts and beliefs dictate your reality. The moment you start believing in the not yet seen and take the right actions, your reality will begin to shift. Dennis, I like, I literally could read that every single day. Uh, I'm gonna, you're so, like, you've done your research, by the way. I'm gonna, like, you, you know everything about me. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you could have done this podcast by yourself, just sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that actually just as you said that, I went back to my notes. I was like, that's a long time. That, that article is a, is a number of years, and I was because I'm now, yeah, I'm like, how old am I? I'm 35 now, so that's five, <laughs> five years ago. And I was like, I felt like it was very important for me to write that. It was just one of the moments I woke up. I was like, Rob, I don't want gifts, let me give something back in return. I've been here in this world for 30 years, and um. Let me share some of the lessons and experiences and advice that I think people could find value in, whether you're younger than me, whether you're older than me. Like, I think this is important. So um, no, thank you for sharing that. That was actually, I'm feeling a bit emotional about that now that you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Not the, well, the emotion, because it's true. I mean, if you go back, and I know that it's been a while, but everything is so true and present in the here and now. And I love looking at things like that. And even when you think about what's happened in these last five years, you know, partner, company, growth, evolution of yourself and career, you know, we sometimes just forget to to think back because it does transcend into where we are now. So yeah. I thought I found it to be um, quite relevant and relative. And I think that it's timeless information. Love it. <laughs> you're like well thank you thank you i'm so, legit i'm legit reading I'm, li I'm like legit reading it again but i'm like oh, damn, this is a long time like, <laughs> yeah and i probably now need to i need to read it every month remind myself like every single month go back and that's well, the thing you never you stop learning right yeah 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 mm -hmm. i might write another one this year you might you've inspired me i might write another one soon all right tag me in it so that i can quote <laughs> you in the next five years <laughs> okay cool 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 i'll do that <laughs> so so talk to me about what's next um you guys have amazing 
products coming out. Like I said, you've expanded your leadership. You have a 35,000 square foot warehouse. What should we be excited about? What are you excited about? Yeah. So the first thing is I need to get rid of my that warehouse space. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, but no, no, but actually no, there's some truth in that. As in like, I don't like as business, you like you, sometimes you get overheads that you don't need. So there, when I said, that, I said that as a joke, but at the same time, no, I am one of the things I'm doing is that, Hey, the market is actually good in terms of um, warehouse people, the value for it. And I'm like, we don't need, like reality is that we just need our stuff made um, and we can just store it. At, like there's ways to save money. I'm saying just got to learn. And with the world that's we're entering a recession, we might be in a, people say we're in a recession already. Like it's about working smarter. It goes back to working smart, whether it's financially, uh, you got to work smarter. So we are in a place where now, um, yes, um, one, we're looking at ways to, one, we're excited about our, I can't really say about products that we're going to be launching for next year. Really, like, we've got some really, really good stuff, like, really good stuff. I don't know how much Asha shared, but exciting. So I don't want to spill the tea, but, yeah, products <laughs> products for next year. Um, we're excited about um, the new fragrances that it's going to be, because it all goes hand in hand, like our products, like the the um the updates to it, but also the product quality and the fragrances. Like people are gonna go crazy when they smell it. Um, and also um one of the things that we are doing is we're currently in the process because this business is self funded um by me and Jackie, and we're now in a place where now we want to you know what I mean like look at potentially scaling the business, going into other locations. So like we've got a huge fan base in london a huge fan base in um, australia or the middle east we want to be able to tap into their market so we're like okay cool this is going to require some investment um if we want to scale and move into these markets we want to continue to expand our team build on it um we have a great team at the moment and we want to keep continuing to grow that and then um what else is there like the product as i said expansion growth yeah we're just trying to take things to the next level next year and um yeah just ready to be a better version of this year be better next year wow what's it been like when you think about launching in covid and then coming out of covid in the sense of lockdown and now we're in 2022 you mentioned being in all the sephora's we had a moment where sephora was closed opens up you're in canada what are you kind of tracking especially from the business mindset for 2023 and what That's did you it. learn in these last three years? It's interesting because we've seen a shift. So when everyone's locked up, DTC online business was perfect. That's the reality. Everyone's at home. Everyone's needs no one's shopping stuff. So it was perfect. Like candles were doing amazing, was trending really well. Um, everyone wants to be at home. This year is a bit diff- diff- a bit different, meaning that obviously everyone's out. Um, yeah. And people were back in the store, so retail was better. You actually you wanted to you wanted to actually expand and do more business on because people wanted to go and smell stuff. Because remember, we're still a business that requires people don't get to smell the scent. It's like unless you bought the product before, it's like you're guessing, you're reading the description, you're hoping that would encourage them. So in hindsight, like being people being able to go to the store and smell it, it works in our favor. So next year is going to be interesting. Next year, I think it's going to be a mix, a mix of both, meaning that with the recession, like naturally, people are going to have to prioritize what they want to spend their money on. Um, so we have to do, and this is the reason why we are improving and enhancing because you have to give a reason. Like 
you don't you need it. So you want to you need it for your life. We want it to be essential. We want it to be part of your self care ritual. Your like because like that's what candle is. Like candles, like the the mood it sets and in, and and it, and it evokes is very important. Like and that's something we're gonna do better of in terms of education. Like whether it's gonna, this smell is gonna help you with your productivity, calmness with mm. your sleep, whatever it may be. I'm just saying there's ways to tell that story, and that's something that we're really excited about doing uh, next year. That is, I mean, I'm so excited and it's interesting to hear because you're right. It was the D to C darling and everyone was like, retail's dead. And then we come yeah. back right. and we see this mix of both that you mm. absolutely need. And so it becomes exciting to strategize in both because that's where you live and you're digital natives. And so having that, but then the expansion. So thank yeah. you for sharing. I'm excited. I can't wait yeah. to see what is what's coming from Forever yeah. Mood. So Dennis, we always like to close the show with shouting out others in our community. We love Forever Mood. Um, I know that there's many products that you yourself prescribe to or excited about. So Part selfishly, because I like to know everything, but also for our listeners, what's another brand that we should support? Oh, oh, nice. I would say K-Skin. I like K-Skin, Winnie's company. Um, they also Sephora. Mm -hmm. So, and I know that the, the team there, so many and a lot. So I want to give them a shout out. And then naturally, like um, Patrick Star. One yes. size beauty. I would give them a shower as well. I'm just thinking. I'm like naturally. People are like, why are you give me a shower? I'm just thinking about people as for uh, bread beauty. I like bread beauty. Uh, <laughs> like, why do you give me a shower? I'm just, I'm just thinking about Sephora people. So that's that's my excuse. I'm just thinking about those that I know that are in Sephora and um, I know is doing good. So yeah, bread beauty as well. Um, yeah, I, and I generally like the branding. I'm all, I'm about branding. And like the way people tell the story and yes. showcase the brand. I love that. Well, those are those are all good ones, and you can support your Sephora family. So <laughs> those are great. But we always like to highlight and share. Oh, oh yeah, and, and Lib Tinted. I have to give a shout out to Lib Tinted. Lib Tinted. Sorry about that. I need yes. to give a shout out to Lib Tinted. Deepika will kill me if I didn't mention her name. But yeah, I love Lib Tinted as well. <laughs> This is amazing. I saw you guys all together on Yeah, social. we did a collab. Um, but that is, it's the power of community. Yeah, it was fantastic. Beautiful. So yes, I'm glad that we didn't forget Live Tinted. And um, Dennis, this is just fantastic. I'm so happy for you guys. You. The education you're providing, just the journey itself and the honesty and transparency. We know that it's, that it's not um, always easy but you guys are doing a fantastic job and we can't wait to follow up on everything um, new coming next year. Thank you, Kendra. This has been great. Like you asked amazing questions. Like you're, you're, yeah, like you're killing it and your podcast is dope. So yeah, keep up the great work. And every week I share an influencer I'm checking out. And this week, thanks to Dennis and all of his Sephora crew, make sure to follow Bread Beauty Supply. That's at Bread Beauty Supply. Hair care basics for not so basic hair. And with that, I always leave you with one thing from today's guest, and that is how will you work smarter? How will you work smarter? Thanks, Dennis. So follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode and your ratings and reviews mean so much. Leave a five-star rating. Until next week. 
Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, assistant producer Jenny Salk, executive producer Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, edited by Fishmar Creative, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast, and on IG at Business of the Beat. Business of the Beat is a Mean Old Line Media production.